Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, hello. Welcome to Jules Says. I'm Jules, and I have some things to say, as usual. If you're a regular listener, you may recall that about this time last year, I talked about doing a Christmas album. Not because I'm a great singer and I love Christmas music. Au contraire, I'm not and I don't. To be honest, I find Christmas music a bit grating because really, who has these wonderful, dreamy, beautiful Christmases they sing about? Maybe some people do. But for those of us who do not, the music is a constant reminder that maybe your Christmas is substandard, or downright depressing, or scary. And why Christmas? Why all this pressure to be happy and joyful and spend time with loved ones then, in the middle of fucking winter? Shouldn't we try to feel peace and goodwill towards others all year round? I think we should. As for visiting family, I've always believed that Christmas is the absolute worst time of the year to travel, at least in our climate. The weather is dodgy. Travel costs are wildly inflated to take advantage of the big push. I mean, I'm willing to travel if my children want me to come to them, but I would never, ever, ever pressure them to come to me. I wouldn't dream of it. I think it's too much. Occasionally, we go to England. A few years ago, quite a few years ago now, Abe, my nephew Declan, and I spent three days at Heathrow Airport trying to get home. It was just before Christmas. There was a terrible ice and snowstorm in London. They didn't have enough equipment to de-ice the planes. And it was a bit of a nightmare. Now, if it were up to me, I would have just accepted my December 26th rebooked flight, which is what we were initially offered, and I would have gone straight back to spend Christmas with Catherine and Violet. Of course I would. The thing that makes Christmas palatable to me is being with my children and or grandchildren. That's it. But I wasn't traveling alone that year. Abe had to get back to work. Honestly, though, since we were trapped due to weather issues, I'm sure he could have worked that out. But anyway, more importantly than that, we had to get Declan, who was only 11 years old, back home to his family so he could spend Christmas with his own parents. Catherine was living in a small flat at the time. It was even pre-church flat days. And although she could have accommodated one of us on the pull-out couch, me, because I'm the mother, I would have been the priority in this situation. But there's no way the three of us could have stayed there. We would have had to find a hotel, and it's not as though Abe and I had tons of extra money just waiting to be spent. So there were many reasons that we actually had to stay at Heathrow Airport, get Declan home, and get Abe home. And so it was. We decided to wait it out with the hordes at Heathrow. We slept on foil-covered mats that the staff handed out, which was helpful. It's better than the bare cold floor. And we just kept trying and trying and trying while we were there to get a flight home. But I have to say, sometimes we look back on some of these events that are horrible at the time as an adventure. 
Because at the time this was going on, I chatted with Declan about how lucky we were. Because even though this wasn't great, we were safe. We had shelter. We had a credit card so we could buy food. There were lovely volunteers who came around and offered us tea and sandwiches, which was so kind, and would have done nicely had we not had enough money to buy food. But I think this might have been a learning opportunity for an 11-year-old boy. I think back then, we didn't even have a portable game console. So you didn't have the travel technology the children have now. We had to spend that time chatting, reading, people watching, and making do with our phones. And we did have our laptops, but Abe and I don't have games on our laptops. We use them for work. Wi-Fi at Heathrow at the time was not fantastic, even under the best circumstances. Of course, with all the demand that the hordes caused, it was even worse. I remember queuing at a station to buy Wi-Fi time that actually worked, and you can imagine the queue for that. I also tried rebooking our flights at these workstations with absolutely no luck. At one point, a reporter came by and took pictures of Declan and interviewed him. Declan's picture in his interview ended up in one of the London papers. I actually forget which one now. It was well over, it was over 10 years ago. And Declan was a beautiful boy. When he was a baby, people would sometimes shout from their cars, Oh my God, look at that beautiful baby! As his mother walked with him face out in the chest carrier. He had the most perfect round head. I do love a round-headed baby. The sweetest little face. He had bright blue eyes and a little button nose and just rosy little cheeks. He was like a little doll. So I can certainly see why the reporter singled him out. He was still quite adorable at 11. Periodically, during all of this, Abe would go and queue with the hordes to see if there were any seats for us. Finally, he came back with some great news. He had a standby seat for Declan and me. He was so happy to tell us this, but my reaction was, Declan and me? Why not Declan and you? I'm not the one who's anxious to get home here. I know that sounds really bitchy and unfair, and I'm sure Abe thought at the time he was being generous by letting Declan and me go first and waiting for another flight for himself. But no, if Declan and Abe had gotten a flight, I would have just turned around, gone back to Catherine's, and waited it out until after Christmas. It certainly wouldn't have broken my heart to spend Christmas with Catherine and Violet. Not at all. And my employer at the time would have completely understood. It was a legitimate reason. So, why not Declan and you, I said to him. He told me the ticketing agent just put the two of us in, maybe because we have the same last name, maybe because she assumed I was the mother, who knows, but Abe didn't want to say to her in the midst of all the chaos and her valiant efforts to help people, oh, thank you, but would you please change that to Declan and me? Anyway... It was fine. So Declan and I queued for security, I think, later that day. Still not 100% sure we would be on that flight. We got past security, but it wasn't a done deal yet. It turned out that we didn't get on that flight. But now that we were past security, we were in more isolated areas. We had an opportunity to roam around a bit, explore areas of the airport that would normally be off limits. Nothing dangerous, not areas where it says staff only, but areas where normally you're there waiting for a flight. And then when your flight boards, you're gone. But because of the way everything 
was happening there at the time. They didn't send us back the other way on the other side of security. They said, just stay back here until a flight comes up. I have to say, it did feel very strange to get that far and still be left behind. Soon, however, we were boarding a flight to Ottawa, Ontario, where we would lay over for a connection to Toronto. I don't think that little boy was ever so happy to get on a plane as that flight home. We were pretty relieved. And he handled that time in the airport with incredible patience and grace. Maybe I had high expectations of an 11-year-old in general. Maybe my children would tell you I did. But I saw other children around his age get really whiny or angry, and I could understand it. But Declan never got that way, although he was incredibly sad and excruciatingly bored. As we were waiting in Ottawa for our connection, we were watching news of a horrific floods somewhere, and Declan commented on how awful that must be for those people. Yeah, I agreed. I know these last few days have been really awful for you, but at least we're safe and we have food and shelter. We have a lot to be thankful for. We're still very lucky. I do think that experience increased his empathy and maybe his appreciation for what we did have, which I suppose may have been the silver lining of that whole thing. We got our connection and we're finally home. Declan was relieved to be home before Christmas. I was relieved to have gotten him home before Christmas. And we made it within only a few days. And his father, of course, was thrilled to see him. I got news from Abe that he would be home later that night. You know, it's interesting. I have a mysterious pattern of travel problems, such as that one. I never expected anyone to travel at Christmas, not because of that experience, but the experience certainly reinforced my reluctance for winter travel. Someone asked me just this week, will the girls be coming home for Christmas? Hell no, I answered. I would never expect them to. The cost, the hassle. Isn't it better to travel in the summer? Even if you don't have to travel, I think a lot of the stress of Christmas is, is all tied up with expectations or even demands. And then there's the problem with divorced families trying to balance things. You know, it's very upsetting for one parent to not have the children with them at Christmas, even if they're sharing every other year. And then when they become teens, they start wanting to be with their girlfriend or their boyfriend at Christmas. And sometimes the adults in the equation push and pull at people. And, well, why can't you come here? Well, I, it's really important to me that you come and see me. I just don't think it's fair, and I would never, never engage in that kind of tug of war. It just amazes me that people get upset, and then they put a guilt trip on people for not showing up where they want them to show up. When your children are young, isn't the nicest thing to just wake up in your own home, put on your Christmas jammies, open your stockings and your gifts, and just relax? To me, that would be the best. But I think a lot of families don't have that luxury because they have too many demands, going here, going there, and visiting all kinds of family members. It's hard. So all of this is partly why Christmas songs irritate me. And believe me, if I understand if that's your only problem, you're still very lucky and blessed. Peace, joy, goodwill, the most wonderful time. It's all a facade for so many. 
And then there are people who are truly struggling to even put together a Christmas meal, buy a gift for their child, have a roof over their heads. We are so lucky. I just think it's bananas to get upset about visiting. And, and then there are, you know, and there are other things that people don't like. Addiction issues are escalated. Violence is sometimes escalated. It's just there are a lot of problems that seem to be exacerbated by these unrealistic expectations of happiness, which is why I've been thinking for years, I'm going to put out a Christmas album of my own. I'll steal the Christmas music fair and square because I'm not a musician. It's not like I can write it. And I'll just sing my own more realistic lyrics. I think my songs could resonate with people. My working title of the album was You'll Like This When I'm Dead because I don't think my children will like my album at all. But maybe after I'm gone, they'll say, ha yeah, that, that stupid Christmas album mom made. They'll look back on it nostalgically. There are a lot of things that I look back on nostalgically that I didn't enjoy at the time. So maybe my album would be one of those things for them. And maybe hearing me sing again, even though I'm no longer here to sing in their presence, and they don't really like to hear me sing now, but hearing me sing when I'm dead, just like the existence of this podcast, might make them think, I miss my mother's voice, or my mother had cement balls. So yeah, I mean, I mentioned it a year ago, I'm full of ideas that I never follow through on, and this isn't an excuse, but the truth. I, I, I become so thoroughly absorbed in my work that it takes over most of my brain. I work long hours and then I think about work after hours. I even dream about work sometimes. Well, more than sometimes. Very often I lie awake ruminating about work. I can't, I can't get to sleep. It completely overtakes me, even though I set certain boundaries. I refuse to check work emails on my phone. I won't do it. I cut myself off work communication at the end of the day and on weekends, unless I'm on call or something or I know there's an issue. But still, that's why I've never done the album. But last year, after my Christmas episode, one of my regular listeners, Hannah Woolmer, emailed me. Hannah is an accomplished musician, a violinist, a composer, she and her partner, Liam, a.k.a. The Boy, offered to produce my Christmas album as a Christmas gift to me at no charge. Well, I could not, obviously could not accept such a generous offer. Artists can't be expected to work for free. However, she insisted. She was very convincing. She had managed to do pretty well with her online concerts during the pandemic, and she has regular work composing for film, and she insisted they wanted to do it. Well, now shit just got real. I need to get serious about this and stop talking and do something about it. What better time than now? I had planned a one-year hiatus from work, but now I was in the middle of year two. If I don't do it now, when? It was only January 2022. I still had time. So I started looking into what it would take to publish an album. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough, Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. I'm not a musician. I know nothing about publishing. So here I was again, spending all kinds of time trying to figure something out that I'm just not good at. I looked into copyright rules. I don't like to break rules, and I'm not comfortable getting into trouble, and I can't afford a lawyer. I also believe that it's not okay to steal others' artistic work. But Christmas songs, really? They're public domain, aren't they? Well, it turns out not all of them are public domain. I had no idea that public domain only kicks in after 100 years. And even then, there are nuances to the law that I'm not even going to try to explain here. So I thought, okay, well, I was planning to use existing music, but with my own lyrics. What about parody laws? Again, those laws are very murky. My songs might not qualify as a parody, and even so, you're supposed to get special permission to use someone else's music with different lyrics. I had no idea. No idea. It turns out it's a lot easier to publish and distribute a cover song. The distributor typically just gives a portion of the cut to the copyright holder, that is, if you get enough downloads or streams to qualify for anything at all. But Julie... Isn't this just for family and friends? No. What, I'm supposed to send them MP3s of these songs I've done? Directly send to them? Most of them will hate my songs. I just figured if I'm going to go to the effort of making this album, I want to distribute it properly. And if people want to listen, they can listen. And if not, they don't have to. If I send them an MP3, they might feel obligated to listen and tell me what they think. I don't want to necessarily know what they think. So it started getting a bit complicated. Surprise, surprise. Two of the songs I had in mind were copy protected. So maybe I can't do those. Maybe I'll just leave those out. And then Carrie offered to let me use the lyrics she had written for Santa Baby, which I love which she's performed on stage with Kaylee Woodcock, and which includes a verse of rap. Oh my God, I am so terrible at rap. And it's so sad because I don't know how to get better at it. So I said, Carrie, maybe you can just record the rap verse. But but no, she insisted I should just do it myself. I Probably because she figured it would be funnier. Me trying to rap? No one's going to buy that. Okay, so fine. Now, three of my songs are copyright protected, the most fun ones. I figured I just maybe need to skip those three and write lyrics to public domain songs, so I searched. But, oh, the public domain songs, they're not as fun. They, a lot of them are kind of dirgy, or they actually sound like hymns, maybe because they're hymns. 
Anyway, I ended up writing lyrics to four public domain songs, which really isn't enough for a full album, but whatever, let's go with that for now. We'll see if I come up with something else. It turned out that my lyrics aren't funny at all. They're not. They're just dark. That's the thing about creating something. You start out thinking, oh, I'll do this. This will be funny. But then, then what came out was just dark. I suppose the songs may resonate with people, but not in a funny, that's hilarious way, but oh shit, maybe that's funny because it's true, and I've been there. But I'd already gone this far, and I thought, you know what, I just, I'm going to do it. If no one likes it, they don't like it, but I think that you need to create things for yourself, and if my voice happens to be dark, so be it. I feel a little despondent about it. Maybe I should have given up on the idea. But I went ahead. A few months later, I heard from Hannah. She and Liam had some time. She had multiple projects in the works, her own album, for example, and film compositions and recording. Plus, she has her own podcast, The Rosin Diaries, plus her online concerts, which she's very busy with. She does multiple concerts a week. Plus, with lockdowns lifting, she was doing live concerts again. Really, The kindest thing I could have done would have been to just let her know that I'm not going to do it after all because I don't want to waste their time. I had just gotten to the point where I'd really started to figure out what some of my obstacles were. I need a band. I don't have a band. (laughs) But anyway, so I started looking for karaoke tracks. I thought, well, maybe I can use that. I recorded one and sent it to Hannah for mixing and mastering. They sent it back and even added some orchestration, which was lovely. But then I thought, hang on, not only is this song copyright protected, I can't publish an album using someone else's karaoke tracks, can I? No, I cannot. So, I know a few musicians and music teachers. They all know Christmas music. These songs are cultural staples. They're ubiquitous, especially at this time of year. Maybe they or one of their older students would be able to record piano tracks. I warned them about my lyrics. Explicit and dark. Anyone who agrees needs to be okay with that. They have to be okay with having their name on it. So I offered a small payment for each song. Too small for a working musician, but it's not as though I have thousands of dollars to invest in this. I can't just go hire a band and book a studio. But I came up with nothing. No one knows anyone who will do it. No one has the time or inclination to do it themselves. And I can't do it because I'm not good enough at piano. Joanne? Maybe Joanne could do it, but she's too busy, and I really think she would hate my dark lyrics. So just when I thought I was going to have to drop the whole thing, I met a young woman who is a pianist and, it so happens, a photographer. Would she be willing to record piano tracks for my dark Christmas songs? Why, yes, she would, she said. This sounds right up my alley. Fantastic. She figured it would take her maybe an hour to practice and record each song, So $50 per song was fine with her. I was thrilled. She plays by ear. She would not need to adhere strictly to sheet music. So I could give her sheet music and she wouldn't be stealing it because she'd be messing with the arrangement a bit. 
and she's already familiar with all the Christmas songs, so to her it was completely doable. Great! I bought the sheet music, I checked the arrangements to make sure I liked them, that they were the right style, I sent the sheet music to her mid-September with some instructions, such as things like, I only need one verse of this song, even though the music includes a key change and two verses, you know, that kind of thing. I didn't even worry about transposition because I knew I could transpose the music to my key in my software. I knew she had some pretty heavy work commitments, including travel, coming up, but I was hopeful that she could get to it by mid-October. At least she said she would be able to fit it in. It was five songs, five hours. I asked her to send me the songs as she completed them, so, so I had time to record my vocals, because I had started back at work by this time. Yep, my time and my brain is now being pulled back into that. So my own availability was now severely constrained. And I'm not Michael Buble, so it's not really easy for me to record the vocals. When I hadn't heard back from her by the second week of October, by then it's almost four weeks, I sent her a message. It wasn't that much money, and I knew she had to fit it in with other commitments. So even though it had been almost four weeks, I just, I didn't want to come off as demanding. So I asked her, did she receive the link to the music and my email with notes? And would she be available for the album cover shoot as well? If she couldn't do it, I would understand, but I needed to know so I could find someone else if not. I was so relieved to hear back from her two days later. Yes, she had received the music. She'd been practicing the music and was hoping to have have it uploaded by the end of the following week. Fabulous! It's on again. We set the photo shoot date for October 22nd at my place. And that seemed to go well. We had a nice chat. I really enjoyed the visit. I don't like pictures of myself. But I could see that she had a few shots that would work, so we had a nice we had a nice time. She assured me that she would upload the music by the end of October, if not the first week of November. Okay. That kind of worried me a bit, because it was getting late, and I had a lot of work to do on my end. But it could work. I told her I really needed everything to be finished by the following week so I could distribute the finished product, because I had work to do after she gave it to me, and I didn't expect it all in one shot. Upload one song. I'll work on it. Upload the next whenever you're ready. That would work for me. This is what I thought would happen. So I let Hannah know about the delay and told her I would completely understand if she decided to back out. Hannah assured me that the timing worked out for her because her album and the films that she was doing work for would be finished by November 4th. So we're still okay. I was quite relieved. I guess we're still on after all. So I paid the gal for the photo shoot. I had already paid her for the music. I recorded my a cappella tracks for Carol of the Bitch. The music is public domain. The lyrics are not. So I think I'm fine there. But the song is dark. Very dark. Hannah said it traumatized her, but she and Liam mixed it for me anyway. Could I add a bass track? They asked. I could sing it in my own range, and then Liam would just lower it an octave. I sent that along, and they turned it around in a couple of days, sounding much better than the original, with a little reverb and balancing. I kept checking the shared drive for more piano tracks. She had told me she'd been practicing a couple of weeks ago by now, but I don't want to nag. 
I got an email October 31st apologizing. There, there have been lots of Halloween parties and festivities and work projects, plus a link to the photos, but still no music. When she sat down to upload, her recording interface hadn't been working. Her boyfriend would have to come and check it out the following week. Okay, I'm thinking now we're pushing to November 7th? Maybe still enough time. Maybe. In the meantime, I sent her a mock-up of the picture for the album cover with the crop and the text I wanted. I don't have Photoshop or I would have just edited it myself. So on November 7th, I asked for an update. No response. November 11th. I don't want to nag. November 12th, I get a message. She had come down with the flu, but she was uploading that day. Woohoo! I imported the music. There it was. A couple of them have small mistakes, but they're not major, and I was able to edit them out. Three songs. Three songs down, plus my a cappella. Two to go. I spent the weekend in my studio recording vocals, including harmony, which is really challenging for me because, one, my studio is my closet, and two, I was not feeling particularly well myself that weekend. I had a cough and my voice was a bit raspy. And three, I do not have a piano in my closet, so the harmony is very difficult and time-consuming for me to get right. Generally, I feel pretty confident that I can at least carry a tune. But I have to say, when you're spending hours recording and listening to your own voice on its own, you hear every nuance so much more clearly. Self-realization, newsflash, I tend to go a little flat. There was a lot of rework I had to do. But I kept at it hours. Like I spent every minute I wasn't working and had the time until my voice just couldn't anymore. And normally I don't wear my voice out. I've done musical theater and shows. This was because I wasn't feeling well. Anyway, the next day I got another message with a question about one of the songs, but I didn't see it until that night because I had been in the closet all day trying to get my vocals right for the ones I had But I responded that night as soon as I did see it. Sadly, I missed the window when she was paying attention. (sighs) I sent Hannah what I had and hoped it was good enough. Of course, by now, Hannah and Liam could mix and master, but unfortunately, there was no time to add any orchestration, as she had done for me with the first one. So the songs are a bit, um, maybe wooden? They're just not. Orchestration really adds depth and color to the music. And without that, it's just not as good. What could I do? Silence, though. The last two songs. That's it. Two songs and the album cover. That's all she owes me. November 20th. Oh, my God. I think November 20th is really too late now. I messaged Hannah to let her know, but she assures me it's not too late. She and Liam can turn these things around very quickly whenever I get them to her. So, on November 20th, I messaged my pianist. Do you have any more questions about the songs? There are only two left. Thank you for the first three. I uploaded one of them for her to hear it. November 22nd. I am a nag. November 29th. I'm starting to get worried about her. Is she sick again? I tried to Instagram DM her. 
December 1st. She's okay. Work has been busy, but she's going to upload better recordings tomorrow, and she's editing the album cover. Better recordings? No, no, I assured her. The recordings are fine. I've finished with the ones you sent me. Please just send the last two. I asked her if she had the notes I had emailed in September, or should I send them again? Please send again, she says. I do. I wait. I finally register with DistroKid. This is a great way to self-publish, FYI. If you're doing a cover song, they handle the royalty share payments. They handle distribution with about two weeks lead time. If you want to self-publish, DistroKid is a very affordable, easy way to do it, from what I can tell, and according to advice given to me by Andrew Johnston's friend, Joan. I had been holding off on the registration because I kept doubting whether I would be ready to distribute. Okay, not ideal, I thought, but I can at least get the album out before Christmas, even if it's just under the wire. And then once it's out, it'll stay there until I disable my DistroKid account. So the next day, I check the drive for the uploads she said she would do. Nothing. December 8th, I message her again. I've been checking the drive for the last two songs. Any update? How about the edited pick? I need two weeks lead time to distribute, and Christmas is fast approaching. Still nothing. So, this last weekend, I just decided I'm going to accept that my Christmas album is not going to happen in 2022. I still haven't heard back about the last two songs or my album cover, but I feel so much better having made the decision not to worry about it. So often, anger, disappointment, or anxiety are more about the difference between reality and expectations. So I just realigned my expectations, and now I feel okay with it. The silver lining is I learned and figured out so many things about this in the last year. I now have an opportunity to redo some of the vocals I'm not happy with when I'm not rushing and when I'm feeling well. I have a lovely clavinova with different instrument voices. Maybe I'll add some orchestration myself to round out the piano. That won't be easy for me, but I can try it. And now that I have that DistroKid membership... Maybe I'll put out an album of my favorite cover songs that my children will hate. You're allowed to do covers. So next year, I will definitely publish my dark, unfunny Christmas album because I'm so very close. Even though the album is a no-go this year, I have been invited to perform a selection of my songs in the Crimson Wave comedy show, hosted by Jess Beaulieu and Natalie Norman, this coming Sunday night, way past my bedtime, at the Comedy Bar on Bloor Street in Toronto. The lineup features my dear friend Andrew Johnston and other standout stand-ups. So if you happen to be in Toronto, get your tickets for the Crimson Wave at thecomedybar.ca. Next week, I'll let you know how it goes. And I just want to say a big, grateful thank you to Hannah and Liam. 
Do yourself a favor and check out hannahwilmer.com for Hannah's album, her music selections from her repertoire, and live virtual concerts. It's great if you don't live in a big city and you just can't get out, or if you're homebound for some reason. Hannah, if it weren't for you, my album would still be all talk, no action. I may not have crossed the finish line, but I'm not finished yet. Thank you for listening. If you have anything you'd like to share, you can email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. And next year when the album comes out, give it a try. Unless you really, really love Christmas and Christmas music because then you'll hate it. Have a great week. Thank you.